0: You're listening to the ShipBob Operator Series. Each week, your host, Casey Armstrong, ecom veteran, is joined by founders, operators, and insiders who are bringing along their stories and data to give you the exclusive inside scoop and tactics from those who have been there, done it, and gotten their hands dirty. You can tune in for a live recording Wednesdays. Head to operators.shipbob.com for the details. But until then, enjoy this audio replay.
1: Hello everybody. Uh, welcome for episode 13 of our ShipBob e-commerce series. Lucky number 13. We were going to skip it and go to episode 14, but you know, it's been 2020, so who knows what could throw us off. Leading up to this, I know that some of us, we don't know who's having internet connection problems, but hopefully you guys can hear us just fine. And I know last week was the first week we actually had internet connection issues while on this, but whatever, we'll fight through it. If you guys have questions for me, we can always jump on the fulfillment side if we have any problems with Adam. So, and then to the Adam in the chat, yes, there'll be a replay. We'll send everything over afterwards. So as how we always start this, we'd love to know where everybody's calling in from. I am calling in from Southern California. I have not left here in quite a while. And so... I know that Nick's been jumping around a little bit. So Nick, where are you coming from
2: today? I am still over in Cape Cod this week. What was I last week? I think I was still here, but week before I was down in Raleigh. Hopefully you get into New York in the next couple months, but we will see. And but it does look like again we have a pretty diverse group from all over the world here. So
1: let's see, where where are people coming in from today? Uganda, there's a first. That's awesome. Minneapolis, Key West, Madagascar. Now I don't even know if you guys are, we got Iceland. Okay, so this is like a wish list of where I want to travel. Um, (laughs) Georgia, Mexico, Ontario, Amsterdam. Wow, this is like one of the most diverse groups we've we've had so far. I love it. South of Seattle, UK, Ireland. We're going real international
0: today. Adam, where are you coming in from today? I am in San Francisco. So one of the first places to shelter in place in the US and I'm guessing maybe one of the last ones to open up, so I feel like I've been stuck in the apartment for uh, months on end. But glad to see we've got a, a wide range of places calling in. Yeah, definitely. And so
1: I'll jump right into the intro, and then I've got some more questions for the audience. So we have Adam Hammer here. He's the senior vice president over at TSG Consumer Partners. Their extremely impressive portfolio includes companies like Core Power Yoga. Backcountry, Vitamin Water, Pop Chips, Yard House, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Um, we should probably give like a PBR giveaway, Voss, Comet, and then a secret favorite of mine with Paige. So Adam, welcome. Thank you very much for
0: joining us today. Adam, can you hear us? I can, yeah. Uh, it must be on my end. I've, I've caught most of the TSG portfolio there. Not sure if he'll... Uh, my and,
1: and to everybody who's logged in, I, I apologize. This seems like it's week two of a uh, some internet issues where we had tw- or 11 straight weeks of no internet issues. So um, until Adam logs in, would love to have, you know, anybody chime in for for questions with ShipBob or fulfillment and logistics that we can help with here. Jonathan, I appreciate the emojis so we can keep
2: those going as well. That's right, we're gonna keep the show uh, going on here though too.
1: Yes, I mean, if you yeah. want to troll me with yes, those are welcome.
2: <laughs> you guys on the apparently.
1: Let's see. We'll try it one more time, Adam. Right. So PE, private equity, and, yeah. and TSG and the space that they fill within investment. Please sh- share, us, share us how you define private equity and, and, and with that in regards to e-commerce.
0: Folks often hear private equity and think of it as a big kind of scary word. Um, there's really a wide different range of folks out there who do. We focused on consumer investing our entire history for over the last 30 years. Probably, folks may be more familiar with some earlier stage investing styles in VC investing, where you may receive capital from a company and use it to grow, but they're they're not necessarily extremely involved. What we try to do with all of our brand partners is work with. It. We can really on a vision with the management team on and try to work pretty closely with them. You know, for instance, we out of our last fund, I think had. Eight investments out of our entire portfolio at the two, billion. so we're really trying to make select bets on companies that we uh, have a lot of conviction behind their growth forecast and work to generate our returns through growing the business rather than uh, any sort of cost cutting or anything like that. As it relates to e-commerce, you know, it's it's a really timely question as everyone could probably imagine with folks working from home, being sheltered in place, uh, going to stores less, really focus on that have compelling unit economics. I think particularly in uh, the COVID, post-COVID world, investors in general are going to be more focused on uh, looking at brands that either have cash flow ability, we think, to scale to a position where they can generate cash flow on their own and have that sustainable unit economic model. And what about VC versus
1: PE? How, How do you define the difference? And when does it make sense to go one route versus the other? Well, it looks like we unfortunately lost Adam here. Um, we'll see if he can if he can log back in. Hopefully you guys can see and hear me. So we do have a question from Alec in the audience. So outsource versus in-house. And actually, let me get to that in a second. So Nick is still here. If anybody wants to come on, okay, Adam's back again. Adam will try one more time. But real quick, if anybody else wants to come on stage and ask questions, whether it be VC and PE related or whether it's specifically fulfillment related, you want to talk about your brand and we can get to specifics, please um, let me know. Again, just raise your hand. And so Alex, outsource versus in-house. We've heard some horror stories about outsource fulfillment, mostly around software, not living up to billing. In-house gives us control, which is important in the luxury segment. Any thoughts? It's a great question. That's something that we often hear from people where they wanna control because it's your baby. And so you're handing off your physical goods to somebody else. Um, I think this is where really vetting the partner is important and spending time with them to understand, especially if you're in the luxury segment, how do they go about from storage to pick and pack and managing everything there, possibly talking to some of their customers or going through case studies to hear more about some of the brands that they work with. And so I would really focus on that and understanding the value of, of outsourcing where, especially in a time like now when there's so much uncertainty you know, when when you have it in-house, you have a lot of fixed costs. And again, there are benefits of taking it in-house, but there are a lot of fixed costs from the warehouse that you have to pay for or the storage space to the people that you, to your employees and managing that. Whereas a company, let's just say like ShipBob, it's it's much more variable. And so yes, you have your storage, but you're really only paying for uh, the services work that the people are doing as you're managing to sell. And again, keep please keep the questions coming, going and Chat Nick, real quick on the technical stuff. Yep. Hey
0: guys, <laughs> sorry about that. Not sure where I cut out, but I imagine it was a little.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 try we'll try one more time here, Adam. PE versus VC, what's the difference?
0: I think the biggest difference, aside from uh, the stage of investment, is really the probably the portfolio approach. So venture capital is going to make their investments, so it's really a let's take a pass at investing in a number of different companies sometimes in a portfolio we think all of them have the potential to be winners but we're acknowledging that some of them are early stage and there's high risk and uh, probably won't work out and really hoping that uh you pick a couple of really strong home runs that are going to drive capital funds returns i mentioned although i'm not sure if it cut uh cut out in the middle of it that you know one thing we've tried to do at tsg general and private equity is really make focused bets. We have uh, generally write larger equity checks than a a venture capital firm, but as a result, narrow down the number of companies we invest in in any given fund. So, uh, for instance, out of our last fund, we did eight different investments out of a $2 billion fund and try to make those concentrated plays that also allow our full team to really devote their time to working closely with the companies we invest in um, and stay pretty to day basis just inherently more challenging with a, a wider venture capital fund portfolio.
1: Great. And Adam, can you still hear us? Okay. We actually had some great questions from from Paul and Todd in regards to TSG and PE. So we actually can send those to him afterwards yep. and and have him follow up. So here's a question from Gabriel uh, to follow up on Alex's question, which is, you've been considering ShipBob as a fulfillment provider, but similarly, he's concerned about reliability, dread horror stories about outsource fulfillment. So let's say with ShipBob, managing our rapid growth while maintaining reliable service. This is by far our number one focus area at ShipBob. And so one of the many reasons why I'm so bullish on ShipBob and, and recommend it to my friends is the amount of focus that we place while we place on data and our ability to track things at such a granular level. So from things such as who is picking which order, the speed that things come in, how quickly they're able to pick it, how quickly they're able to pack it, the service level that the carriers are having, and this is extremely important today. So once everything is is scanned and ready for uh, pickup from the carriers, are the carriers coming? There's often disconnect there. Sometimes the carriers will claim that they did or did not pick up certain packages. And so uh, maintaining, having like a timestamp or logs across the entire life cycle of every single order and every single product is paramount. And so for us to be able to get to such a granular level for every single product and item is very important. And so, and we can measure that um, not just at the network level but at every single fulfillment center to every single person that works within the fulfillment center as well and identifying where things are going well and where there are issues as well. And so. There is no 3PL that is, you know, going to nail hundred percent of everything, but working with those that are able to identify where the issues are and making sure that things such as error rates or anything like that, are as low as possible. And let's see, here we go from Danielle. So this is less of a question and appreciate this. So move from fulfillment.com to ship Bob so far, very pleased with the turnarounds, especially the online portal for ease of seeing all fulfillment and tracking information. Appreciate that Danielle. That's a great call as well, and so it's it's the it's that visibility layer. And so instead of having to pick up the phone or you know just get Excel spreadsheets all the time, it's being able to see things in real time. And then as Danielle called out, you know she wishes ShipBob was in England. And so we are evaluating other locations um, across the world and across Europe, such as Central Europe or England. We do have the location in, in Ireland, but we are evaluating England as well. And let's see, from Bob, yes, vet your guest internet links.
2: <laughs> that's, that's definitely <laughs> um, a good, good suggestion. So I know it's always a little bit difficult because everyone's working from home, you know, mostly nowadays, so it's a little bit tougher, but we will definitely try to be more explicit next time with just internet. So Yes,
1: cable internet connection is a requirement. <laughs> um, we do explicitly state that, but things can often go haywire. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about the guests we have. Next week, I think next week is when we have Kirsten Green from Forerunner Ventures coming on, along with the founders of BK Beauty to come on for the pitch as well. So that's going to be very exciting. Let's see. Any more questions on shipping and fulfillment? Worst case, we wrap this one up a little bit earlier than usual, but I'm sure there's some questions out there. Let's see. From Jonathan, um, bit of a newbie considering using an outsourced fulfillment center. The main benefit for my dropshipping customers and my stores, is the ability to offer two-day shipping. Very true. I'm not sure of the question there, so if you want to expand um, from Santiago, planning to expand to Latin America again. Uh, I think Drew actually commented on quite a bit of this a couple weeks ago. Drew Saxana, who's our CEO, <laughs> in our expansion plans, and so we are evaluating really the entire world, but it's it's where the biggest pain points for our customers in regards to getting their products, both efficiently from a time standpoint, but also from a cost standpoint to the end consumer. And so from Latin America, I don't think so in 2020, possibly in 2021, but right now we're fulfilling everything from our us locations. Curious the difference between centering my fulfillment center or possibly using multiple warehouses that is from, uh, from Jonathan. And so here again, there's no one size fits all answer especially if you're earlier on or just getting started from outsourcing it using maybe a centrally located facility. For example, we have, we have some in Texas, we have some in Illinois, which is more central as well. That way you can get to both coasts and the middle of the United States pretty efficiently, both from, again, from a time and cost standpoint. And also in regards to managing your products or SKUs across multiple fulfillment centers, it really simplifies your operations as well. But then depending on your volume or your SKU count or possibly other complexity, such as bundles and subscriptions and kitting, you know, evaluating multiple warehouses. And so another thing that a lot of customers of ours do when they get started is they might utilize our fulfillment center, let's say in California and Pennsylvania. And so that way they're able to service both coasts along with central us, um, rather efficiently. But then also it comes down to where your customer is located. So we have a, a men's dress socks company. And I think that in just greater New York, they do something like 20 to 25% of their order volume. And then in the Northeast, they do over a third of their order volume. So being located up there is very beneficial for them. And so they were located primarily in Illinois and then moved over to Pennsylvania. But because there's also a lot of demand in Los Angeles, they they started to co-locate. And so they started again off more like on the East Coast and then started to spread out from there. Hopefully that answers your question, Jonathan. Again, feel free to add any context. It's just us today. From Alec, volume minimum levels for fulfillment to make sense. So the way I often think about it, and I think it was um, Mark from Backblade who answered this best several weeks ago because he they outsourced. Really early. They started outsourcing their fulfillment when they were actually evaluating fulfillment providers and ultimately chose ShipBob like five years ago when they were doing their Kickstarter and Indiegogo project. And so I think that understanding your customer and understanding some of the base level shipping and fulfillment needs is important. And that starts to eat into the time that you spend, that you should be spending on growing your business, whether that's marketing or sales, product development. Um, improving the customer experience versus outsourcing something like storage and pick and pack or kitting or something like that, which are very time intensive activities that you can outsource to, you know, companies that do that very well. And then you can start taking advantage of their shipping rates and possible, possibly their distributed fulfillment centers that Jonathan touched on before. That's often what I think about. So again, I, I view a lot of things in regards to what's the opportunity cost. And if it's eating into the time that I spend, then I should probably start looking elsewhere. We have a, we have a customer called Rainbow Optics. They've got I, I love their case study and talking to him, where he noticed that before he moved over to ShipBob, he was up till like two in the morning every day picking and packing. So then he hired somebody, and that person spent all their time picking and packing. And they hired another person, and they spent all their time picking and packing and managing logistics. And he's like why are my only full-time employees doing fulfillment? And why am I still up till two in the morning, only doing fulfillment as my, as my company scales instead of focusing on growth? And so he was really able to accelerate his growth while handing that off. Kind of at least what I find funny, and it doesn't really pertain to this year, but when I was talking to, to the guy over at Rainbow Optics, Noel, um, he was talking about how his business was very, experienced a lot of seasonality. And so they sell sunglasses that have colored lenses. And so I was like, that's surprising. I was not expecting to hear the seasonality outside of, you know, maybe the summer months. And he goes, yeah, our, our seasonality is concert season. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, it starts at Coachella and it ends at Burning Man. So, you know, everybody's business is different. Um, and it's interesting definitely to see that from the ship all blends where we see so many companies and the ebbs and flows of their business. So let's see. We have David here.
2: I got a question yeah, go for, it. for you, Casey, actually. So, I mean, I see this question coming all the time, especially through the form, just on like the, the landing page that we have for this this session. And I don't know, we don't address it too much just because, you know, we get into a lot of these, you know, different venture capitalist uh, conversations. But like if you're a brand and you're heading into the Q4 holiday season, and I got off a call the other day with one of the, these brands that are already prepping and, you know, sourcing their products from overseas to make sure that they're in their fulfillment centers. But I guess if you're a brand and you don't currently offer, let's say like free shipping or right or discounted shipping options heading into Q4, I guess you don't have to get into like all the details of it, but like, how do you assess if you can afford to offer free shipping or, you know, uh, discounted shipping rates at least to, you know, the end, your end customers, I guess, how how would you approach that? Or how have we seen some, some of our customers approach that?
1: Yeah, I think we, let me find, we have a pretty good blog post that goes into this Mm -hmm. where we got into like specifics on that, where it's like, it's really, gosh, where the heck is this? I've got it in some deck. Where we really get into the specifics of your your cost of goods sold, mm-hmm. and this is where it's so important. To also, focus on like the order value. Yeah. And so once you understand that, and once you, it, it, I mean, just like most things in business, it comes down to the fundamentals. It's understanding the margin that you have to play with, and from there you can identify: can I offer free shipping, or can I offer two day shipping, or can I offer free two day shipping? Because there is a cost involved. What we've heard pretty consistently from from customers is once they offer that either free or two day or free two day shipping. They've actually seen an improvement in in ROI, let's say on ad spend. And so there could be another benefit there, but you just you have to understand the margin you have to work with. I know we were talking to a prospect a little while ago, they sold bottled water and their price point was pretty low and liquids are very heavy. And so it just did not make a lot of sense for them to offer free ship. They could not, it just they could it did not pencil for them to offer Free shipping or two day shipping. And so, again, it just really comes down to understanding the margin and then understanding your placement of the brand. And so, can you increase the price point, or maybe you just have to offer free shipping? Or, you know, this is another benefit of using the multiple warehouses, is then you can take advantage of a lot of the ground rates while still getting, you
2: know, one day, two day, three day shipping windows. Makes sense. It looks like we have a couple bubbling up questions here i'm not sure if we want to which ones we want to address first definitely.
1: so let, let's see rosie asked a similar question good starting volume for outsource fulfillment and again i think it's when it starts eating into your time let's see david from dave from socal they use two other three pls i'm just blindly reading these so I hope i'm not walking <laughs> the traps uh we've used 2 other f3 pls done our own shipping also twice moved to ship about a year ago and have been systemically happy with their service very reliable also interested in the canadian expansion awesome Please reach out. Anthony and our team, our locations on the East Coast, Australia, that's an interesting one. I think that we'd probably expand to Australia before Latin America just because of the proximity where we have our other locations. So obviously Latin America is rather large, but we are at least connected continent-wise. And so it's relatively, it's much closer, let's say from our Southern California location our texas locations but australia i could see us you know at least heavily evaluating that in 2021 so danielle calls out multiple multiple locations work well for lower courier costs but you do have to factor in storage that's a great call out so it's understanding the storage and also what is it what's the freight cost to get it to multiple fulfillment centers Uh, from victor switzerland germany austria italy european central country well, I don't know, maybe, maybe when we can fly more again, I'll make the, the pitch for that and try to go source some myself. Uh, but on, on a serious note, I know that we are evaluating some in Central, in Central Europe. I don't have a timeline for that. To be honest, I would guess probably earlier 2021 at the soonest, but things could move forward faster. And again, right now we're servicing them from, from our Ireland facility. From Gabriel, oh, that was a great question. So do we have the ability to choose which facilities we'd want to start with? Yes. And so what a lot of the merchants do that start with ShipBob is they go through what we call a time and transit analysis. And so depending on the size of your brand, we will ask for, let's say, one to several months of shipment data to understand where your end consumer's buying from. And from there, suggest where we think you should be located or how you should split your inventory. We give you this information for a reason because that's what the data is telling us. But you have the ability to choose from whichever facility you want. So I hear about this a little bit less than a couple of years ago, but a lot of people want their products located close to where they're located. And so sometimes people make that decision. And, and another thing to call it as well, if you choose one facility, that doesn't mean that you're there forever. You can always choose to move to another facility too. And so within the analytics dashboard, Within ShipBob as well, you can actually get real-time information on, well, what happens if I start splitting my inventory, let's just say, from just our California location to California and Pennsylvania? What are the cost savings there? That updates, again, every single day, so you can get real insight into potential cost savings and also speed in the delivery from, from your products as well. So Courtney, do you integrate with Etsy? Currently, we do not integrate with Etsy. We do integrate with ShipStation, and so sometimes we will utilize ShipStation as a layer between platforms that we do not currently integrate with. I don't know if Etsy and ShipStation integrate together, or if somebody's on a custom-built solution. ShipStation can sometimes be the layer in between as well. Let's see, David. What do you typically see as the volume inflection point where businesses have leverage to negotiate better rates with shipping providers? What does that process look like? I can't speak too well on what the process looks like because when I've helped run e-com businesses, that was another partner of mine that n- negotiated that. And then at ShipBob, that's not something that I focus on either. From the volume inflection point, again, I just don't have a good answer there. You know, We do millions of packages a month. And so that gives us some negotiation leverage. But for a, from a solo brand, um, I don't have a good answer there. Maybe somebody else does in the, in the chat. Let's see, Chris, cost-wise, evaluation between Amazon fulfilling against a 3PL. So Amazon's an interesting option. Something to think through with Amazon is is what's important for your business. And so sometimes Amazon will be the most cost-efficient. They do, I don't know what they're gonna do in 2020, but historically they've always increased some of their costs within Q4. And so you need to take that into consideration as well. Uh, That's something that we don't do. I know that's something that some other 3PLs do not do either. Do you need to think through that with Amazon as well? You do need to think through who owns the data. Is that going to be you or is that going to be them? If custom packaging and marketing inserts and stuff like that are important, that's not something that they can always offer. And then with the pandemic, they were actually turning away a lot of brands as well. And so it's kind of just taking a risk on that. And then what's important for your business, if it's solely dollar in, dollar out, you know, Amazon could could be a great option for you. But if if brand and owning the customer data and some other items are um, extremely important, then you know maybe evaluating a 3PL from Danielle. So in the UK, we're used to a good price for next day delivery for a weight of six pounds at around five pounds. However, I found the US to be a lot more expensive. Is this a norm for all US carriers? Daniel, maybe if you want to follow up with us on that, and I can connect you with somebody on our team, um, just off the top of my head, um, I don't have an answer for you there. So from Tur, I have a supplier in the US that is four hours from the nearest ship obligation. I find the shipping for my bulk orders too high from my supplier. Can ship up handle it for me? So we don't do freight. We do work with from DH Robinson to Fredos to other freight brokers. I'm sure some people in the comments can provide a handful of other solutions there but we do not, we don't do freight. We will help you move inventory between our fulfillment centers, but we don't pick it up from uh, from the actual suppliers, if, if that was your question. From Rosie, minimum monthly volume or number of SKUs for working with ShipBob. So a monthly volume, we don't necessarily have a minimum. Anybody can sign up for ShipBob and get started on their own. For people to go through the typical process with our account exec team and implementation team, the monthly minimum is typically four hundred to five hundred orders a month, but we have pe- we have hundreds of customers start every single month that do everything completely on them on their their own, and the minimum the monthly minimums do not matter there. And so, some of the benefit from that as well is you can do it at your own pace, you don't pay anything for the implementation fee, and also you get access to all of our fulfillment centers, all of our software, uh, our merchant care team, and all of that from a SKU perspective. Depending on your volume, we typically draw the line at around 200 SKUs or SKUs. We work with a lot of health, wellness, beauty, food brands, and so again, they often have smaller catalogs. Time to reading in this from Danielle or Nick. You got you got another
2: question? No, it's, it's Santiago's question coming in. I guess we maybe we you might need a little bit more further elaboration, on it, but I guess like how does? I guess the question is, how brand grows over time. Like Santiago is kind of stating here, right? New products being added. You know, maybe they start off with one SKU. How does how does that brand kind of grow with that with uh, with him? I guess I'm trying to understand the question a little bit further. But it would seem like just how do we how does that brand grow with us if they're going to grow their product
1: catalog? Okay, great. I love that question. So let me get to that in a sec. So Bob's calling me out here. Still <laughs> need an answer to Alex. What are the volume minimum levels for fulfillment to make sense? Give us some numbers. So. I love it. Bob, push us to give you answers because the real answer is it makes sense. But I think if you're doing over a couple hundred orders a month, then you should really start to outsource it. Um, I'll say it also depends as well, because if operations, a friend of mine, he helps run a company. His co-founder is just an operations wizard, and they do fifty to 60,000 orders a month. And they've built out a full-on operations and fulfillment arm because that's what his co-founder does. That's his differentiator in the business world. If that's you, awesome. Build that out and you never need to outsource it. If that's not you, that's definitely not me, then you need to bring it over to, let's say, a ship bob or 3PL that you want to work with. And so I think if you're doing, again, over a couple hundred orders a month and you start to see it eat into the time that you're spending on more highly or higher leverage items such as sales and marketing,
2: then you should look to outsource. Yeah. And like um, getting those products out the door quicker, right? I mean, these customers want faster delivery times, right? Like that two day delivery window as well. So it's like looking at your current conversion rates on those uh, and on those product pages as well to see can we improve that conversion rate? Right. Are you currently at you know seven to 14 days for a delivery window? Or can you get that down to you know two day or can you get that down to two to four days? Right. And if you're doing so and you're investing in that, right? It's an added cost to you, but it's also uh, in theory, right? That should help to increase your conversions in in, in overall sales. if you're going to be doing that as well. So it's definitely like a business by business case, I would say as well.
1: And actually something I'll call it too, if Paul's, Paul, how is still on? I know he's joining us next week, but he's done fulfillment and kidding for his brand for quite a while. And so maybe he can share like, what are some of the pain points and inflection points that he saw when it started to make sense to start evaluating another option? Let's see. So Gabriel, you uh, you have some questions around lithium-ion batteries. Uh, for a handful of reasons, we can and cannot ship certain items. And so Gabriel, if you want to follow up my email, carmstrong at shipbob.com. Happy to give you some more specifics there. Javier, thank you for chiming in. Etsy and ShipStation integrate. So uh, then in that case, yeah, we should be able to integrate sh- with Etsy. From Todd, uh, great call out here. With FBA, you have to be concerned that when the when a pandemic hits and seemingly... That's the theme of 2020. They decide who gets which product shipped and who doesn't. They pick the winners and losers. What's actually very interesting there. So Chad Rubin, who joined a few episodes ago as well with Think Crucial, is he's been running an eight-figure D2C and Amazon brand for over the last decade. And he's been on Amazon for over the last decade. And again, he's doing like real volume, tens of millions of dollars a year. They said, I I don't know what his skew count is, but let's just say 1,000. They said, okay, these 150 meet our criteria. We're not touching these other 850, even though a lot of them were similar and should have been included in essentials. There was nobody to pick up the phone, nobody he could talk to. It was just, these are the rules next. And so again, just something to think through. Hopefully we won't have to deal with pandemics in the future, but that is very important to think through control. So from Santiago, okay. I believe speed and adaptability are keys to thrive as a digital brand. Hundred percent Darwinism. So, if my brand is constantly changing and adding new products based on customer demands, how does ShipBob solve this challenge? I think this is actually where a product like ShipBob actually thrives. And so, I'll call out a another person that we had on the ShipBob uh, Operator series, and that was the CEO and founder of Jetson. And so. They sell probiotics. Nick is a customer and it was Nick's testimonial on Jetson probiotics. Why I'm now a customer. And so what, what they do, what's very interesting is, you know, they started off and they had their pro- probiotic, but then they were trying to identify how can they differentiate in the market. And so they actually started creating seasonal probiotics. And so it changes every single quarter. And so their product, it continues to evolve and then, okay. They see maybe this summer across the US, where a majority of their customers are based, maybe it's uh, or during some season, allergy levels are spiking. And so they will modify their probiotic to fit what's happening at that time. And so they're consistently changing it. And so that way, you know, they can just send us their latest products and we can continue to ship that out. And so we, we see that a lot where brands are constantly changing and adding new products or eliminating stuff. I mean, it's,
2: it's very common like what's working, what's not. Yeah, it was actually cool because, I, I mean, it's a subscription business too, Jetson, right? And so I still have a lot of the the pills, the supplements, whatnot uh, from my last one. And so I noticed on the recent email, you can actually adjust the delivery window pretty easily too. I was like, well, I don't want this delivered next week because that's what is going to happen from ShipBob Fulfillment Center. And so they're like, oh, no, just you want one extra week or two extra weeks. And so I did like two extra weeks. And so I would think that that just goes and that data is transmitted into the ShipBob platform, right, to adjust those recurring delivery windows. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that was pretty cool from like a consumer standpoint, because I just don't want these bottles to keep showing up when I, you know, haven't finished one. So
1: 100%. I mean, people changing up their catalogs happen all the time. Some of our apparel brands, I'll call, call it Fleo Shorts. Um, their target market is a lot of uh, women in like the, the CrossFit and workout space. They're constantly evolving the product lines. I mean, yep. especially in apparel, it's huge. So here's another, oh, thank you, Bob, for chiming in. Freight rates from DLS in Minneapolis has the best freight rates that he's found. Um, He included a link, appreciate that. Jonathan, as a drop shipper, fulfilling 60, oh, there's a lot of concerns with drop shipping. So I'm glad you brought this up. So currently fulfilling 60 orders a day, but all orders deliver from China and use 17 track. I'm not familiar with that. So I'm assuming that's um, what you meant. For customers tracking packages. If ShipBob's system can integrate into Shopify, will my order numbers be automatically updated as you ship them? This would be a huge benefit as possible. Thanks, Pimps. I'm assuming there you're talking to Nick. Appreciate it, though, Jonathan. And um, yes, we integrate with Shopify. Everything will be uploaded or updated. Feel free to reach out again to us directly. Happy to give you some more information. Can you repeat your email slower? Perfect. There we go. C... Oh, Nick put it. Armstrong at ShipBob.com and Cotter. There we go. Gabriel how does shipping to multiple warehouses work? Does ShipUp advise that X go to one warehouse and Y go to another? Yes. The short answer is yes. We will give you some suggestions there. And then again, it's you have full control over... That's another thing I believe with Amazon is you ship it to quote unquote Amazon. People feel free to the in and then tell me if I'm wrong or if sometimes they have edge cases where it's not the case. But you send it to Amazon and then they distribute. With us, yes, you can ship it to however amount to whichever facility that you choose. And then we as the clients also we as the clients ship to each warehouse individually or can we ship to a single location and have ship Bob distribute? For so the vast majority, our customers ship it to, from the manufacturer to the different warehouses. In regards to having ship Bob distribute to various warehouses, it's often after your customer. But again, feel free to email me and we can discuss your, your business specifically. Okay, great. Here's Paul chiming in with an answer. Our biggest self-fulfillment pain points are managing spikes in sales. Oh, great. This is a great call by Paul. This is something we hear all the time. So fielding 500 plus orders a day is tough when our average capacity is designed to handle 50 to 100. Hitting 1,000 a day or more will overwhelm us. So managing peak demand spikes is the biggest help we'll get from a 3PL. Having in-country fulfillment in Canada and e- in the EU is huge for us, too. solve many international customer pain points for us. We actually should have Paul come on and talk later about a lot of the international stuff and just how he's viewing that from what he pays for products and the delta between that and the average order value. There's just a lot of in tariffs and how that's evolved. I think we can get, you know, very into the weeds there, which would provide a bunch of value. But I, I want to go back to what Paul called out with the self-fulfilling pain points and managing the spikes. I mean, that's that's one of the, the number one reasons why picking the right 3PL partner is necessary in his situation. Let's say he and his wife or he and his wife and somebody else are doing all the fulfillment when all of a sudden their orders 10x or 20x in a specific day or possibly more. The backlog you're going to see there, it's going to be very difficult to catch up. And then come the holiday season, when things typically spike, how do you flex up and flex down there? And if you're doing self-fulfillment, and you have your own warehouse and you're hiring people, are you going to bring in temp workers where you have to compete against the Amazons and Walmarts and Targets and Chipobs of the world? Are you going to bring in full-time employees? And if so, what do you do with them after the fact? And so it's, it's really evaluating the pros and cons of that. Another thing as well is what we've seen is we have some customers that are pretty good at getting on Good Morning America very often. And, you know, they might do a couple hundred orders a month. All of a sudden they get on Good Morning America and they do literally five to 15,000 orders within like a 24, 48 hour time period. And so how do you manage that? And so we we have a team that's focused solely on forecasting the demand and ebbs and flows within our entire network and how we staff them. They actually gave a very interesting presentation yesterday just on how they're using different machine learning algorithms, both within the ship bob data and more macro level data and how they're using that to forecast what's happening and how to staff appropriately to make sure that we can get everything out in time. And so, again, spikes spikes is a very, very big issue. Let's see. Danielle, they sell the best proven probiotics. Awesome. Danielle, drop a link. Promote yourself. So from Todd... Yes, with 3PL, you do need to consider storage costs to carry enough inventory to 3PL to handle spikes means you're also paying a lot more for storage, just part of the math to consider 100%. I guess there it's evaluating, well, what happens if you don't ship your products versus if you do ship your products? And then also, what is the cost on a percentage basis for storage versus fulfillment, total fulfillment, and if you are hiring people or managing your own location? So Daniel, we have such a short shelf life for our product. It contains live bacteria. So it lasts four months. So a, a five-day SLA receipt is where you will ship Bob. So the five-day SLA, if you could just provide some specifics there or follow-up, that's only on receiving and it's often a lot shorter. And so that should not eat into the four-month shelf life. We handle things like this quite a bit. And of course you can, you can batch them. And so again, feel free to reach out. We can get into specifics with your product. Courtney, what kind of labeling... Do of items you need on arrival, actually, Nick, if you you might know of a a good help center article, we could provide there on recommendations from a labeling perspective, Santiago, giving a plug to some guy named Matt, who's a launch wizard, I don't know, Matt Aki, but there we go. Shout out to Matt Aki. Another question. Do you have automation when my inventory is running low, like auto order more from the supplier? I don't have a good answer there right now because I know that's something we've been evaluating for quite a while. I'm not sure on the notifications on when inventory is running low. But again, we, especially through our analytics app, it's something that we've been looking at quite a bit. So let me follow up again on that. From Todd, is the new EU Fulfillment Center open to anyone or is it restricted in some ways to being new? I'm pretty sure it's open to everybody. You know, you might want to see some minimums in regards to the the order amount or the the volume that you're going to be shipping within Europe. But if you're a ShipBob customer, again, reach out to me or reach out to Nick. Um, Nick's been handling a lot of the international expansion stuff. So Todd, happy to help you there. From Jeremy, getting into e-commerce, we've looked at Rakuten. What sets ShipBob apart from competitors? We are a completely remote company as well. Awesome. Love that. Big fan of the remote work. So with Rakuten versus ShipBob, um, I, w- I would just start with... Understanding the locations that you want to be present in and also start evaluating the, the software between, let's say, ShipBob and Rakuten, and understanding the level of visibility and control that you'll have for your products. That's something I hear often with ShipBob versus, versus other solutions is everything involved picking up the phone or emailing and getting back some CSV, which may or may not be accurate versus having everything in one location across multiple facilities, then you often don't need an inventory management tool or an ERP or anything like that. It often can be your e-commerce platform and something like ShipBob, which is your inventory and order management solution. With ShipBob, all the decision-making within the fulfillment centers is with the ShipBob Warehouse Management System or WMS. And so that's very important to call it as well, where we're not using disparate WMSs, we're not using some third-party or off-the-shelf WMS. This is custom-built for ShipBob and for our ShipBob customers. And that's why, at times, you'll see people complain that, well, ShipBob turned me down, they wouldn't work with me. And you find out, let's just say they had you know 50,000 SKUs. And so we're very... you know Shout out to, to our founders, Drew and DeVay. You know, we're very strict in the types of merchants that we will work with. Actually, this was called out when Drew was on. Somebody's like, you won't work with my company because of X, Y. And we'd love to work with as many customers as we can, but we need to be very methodical in our expansion as as product as well. And so our focus, first and foremost, is taking care of our current customer base and providing the best service for them and for their customers, and then seeing how can we continue to inch that out and expand what we can provide to others. And so a great example here is rolling out the Canada and European fulfillment centers. And so international expansion was very important. And so we started to expand our locations internationally. Another example is we focus on um, forwarding, not returns, but returns is a critical part of e commerce and fulfillment. And so we've got more information coming out there, but that's why we've rolled out integrations with companies like Returnly and Happy Returns to add even more complexity and management solutions for you all in regards to the return side of the business. And I think, Mike, somewhat tangent there on what sets us apart from competitors. I think it's, it's our technology. It's the visibility and control that we provide to, to our mer- merchants. And it's also the speed at innovation that we're going to keep pushing on. And so we didn't have what a year ago, I think we had four fulfillment centers. We're up to 10. We were in one continent. We're up to three uh, or I should, I'm sorry, I should say countries. We we're at one and now we're up to, uh, I do know geography. Uh, now we're up to three we're going to continue to extend that. If you look at the integrations that we have, again, I call it out Returnly and Happy Returns. We integrate with companies like Inventory Planner and SIN7 and others from an inventory management perspective. And so it's just a continuous pace of innovation and how we're trying to listen to our customers and understand what are they trying to do today? What are they trying to do in six months? What are they trying to do in six years? And how can we start developing our product to allow them to do that before anybody else so they can really provide that world-class and, I don't know, Amazon-level shipping and fulfillment while controlling everything through their store. A couple more questions here, and then we can, we can wrap this up. I appreciate everybody for staying on here. Awesome, thank you, Todd. I love when the audience knows more than me. So I get notification warnings when my inventory hits a certain level I set. Love this. So yes, it's available with ShipBob. To say that again, Todd says, I get notification warnings when my inventory hits a certain level. So perfect, there we go, it's live. The ShipBob onboarding process has been fantastic as well. Todd appreciate that. We're going to have Todd come on and talk about ShipBob. Danielle, second to none. There we go. Perfect. I don't see any more questions in here. If you but have a good way that, to end off. Yeah, good way to end off. So Todd, Danielle, everybody else, Victor, appreciate the kind words. Thanks again for again, for everybody for for coming. I know you got a lot you can do. I was personally very excited to, you know, to talk to Adam. Like I said earlier, private equity is something i want to learn more about and it's it's definitely a huge blind spot for mine in regards to the investing and lands- and funding landscape and just how that impacts businesses when and who it's right for but you know we'll look to get Adam on or somebody else in the PE space for everybody on today i highly recommend coming next week i've had this circled on my calendar for weeks now um, so, we'll have Kirsten Green over at Forerunner Ventures, and then we'll have uh, the team over at BK Beauty coming in midway through for the pitch. They're going to open everything up from their data. And so, I'm, I'm very excited. So, barring internet, that one will be a home run. So, as we always end, number one, what's the number one thing? So, Nick, you're on the hot spot. What's your number one piece of advice?
2: Number one piece of advice, I don't know, it's been really hard to back this question up for the past couple of sessions, especially with uh, healthy root stalls too. But I guess my number one piece of advice is planning early for Q4 in peak season. I know obviously with the pandemic for the past like three months, right? It almost seemed like it was peak season, right? And it's kind of taking what that demand was and shifting that over to Q4. So trying to understand like how purchase behavior was these past three months and seeing if that can kind of correlate to Q4. I know, like I said, I was on a call like two days ago, I think with a brand and they like said they're already ordering, you know, a lot of their inventory from overseas and making sure that it's filled in their fulfillment center by uh, the end of August. Um, and so then they're going to be all set for the rest of Q4. And so I think as we're going to start having more of these, these conversations with more of these brands, I think it's definitely plan early so that you know, you're ready for, you know, hitting Q4 to ground running. So I guess that's my, that's my number one piece.
1: Love it. And... And I'll chime in in a sec, but a question that I did want to ask earlier for those of us that are still on, feel free to email us directly or drop it in the chat now. Two things. One is what other topics would you like us to cover? We're gonna get mm-hmm. back to our quote unquote regular, regularly scheduled program soon. We have some huge brands coming on to share how they've been able to grow and, and their from how they got started to how they've been able to grow and thrive even during uh, COVID. But please, what what topics would you like us to cover? or which guests, who do you want us to bring on? As I told Nick a couple months ago, uh, cold emailing is a place where I'm gonna start putting myself back, getting back to the roots. And so we'll email whoever, uh, we'll get introductions from, from, from others. Please let us know you, who else would you guys like to see on. Number one piece of advice. So without me rambling too much, cause you guys have heard too much from me. I'd say as, as this might come across in a bad way, but steal from others. And so you don't need to recreate the wheel. Even from like an innovation standpoint, taking things from tangential industries, I often look at the direct marketing space, or I'll look at e-commerce, or I'll look at others in the B2B SaaS space. Or honestly, I'll look to see... So if, if, for those that you were on, I had a pipe break, and so I had to repipe my whole house. Not fun the team that came in to repipe my house, the sales funnel that they took me through from the, the stuff that they brought with them to the um, walking me through, they, they basically answered every single question I had before I even asked them. And so trying to look, uh, steal from others and how they go about running their business, especially as you head into Q4 and you're looking to do some new creative things, I would go with that. And so Omar, weren't there supposed to be giveaways? Yes, there were. We'll roll it out next week because we have the issues with the guests today. Adventure Challenge, I would check it out. So Google Adventure Challenge. I think it's just adventurechallenge.com. We are gonna be giving away some Adventure Challenge stuff and maybe we'll give away some BK Beauty since they will be our guest as well. So again, thanks everybody for their time. Hit us up with questions and we will see you again next week, Wednesday, three o'clock Eastern time.